0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hey, RotoViz radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com.
1: everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on the roto Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Dan Sanio, and I don't get to do this very often, but tonight I decided to grab the reins. I even wrote up the script for the show. Nathan normally does it. Nathan actually does most of the work for the show, and then Justin Peake, our <laughs> editor, does the actual work for the show. And usually I just kind of tag along. You know, I have a lot of children, so I don't really have a ton of time to spare. But today, I had the ta- the, the time just for your earbuds. But Nathan and, is and, here. And for, the,
2: for those listening at home, the time was like seven minutes. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I mean, that was like a good 20-minute show prep. I, right. I, I I sat down for a little while. I was being hit in the back of the head with Legos and whatnot. But I, I got some work in. I, I chased down some news and notes, what we normally do here. And, and now we, we've got a script. How are you tonight, Nathan?
2: Oh, I, I am excellent, excellent today. You know, we're getting closer. Also, uh, my brain didn't recognize the three-week 3, pre- three week preseason because I was like, oh, we got three more weeks of preseason left, and it, nope, we only got two.
1: Only only two more. Well, let me tell you, you get to sit back and relax tonight and do what I normally do and just ramble about questions that you ask. Uh, and tonight, that that'll just be me asking you questions, and I'll allow you to ramble, kind of like I'm doing now so big news obviously uh everyone uh, news around the world especially in the dynasty scene tim tebow cut they how do we how no i can't believe they did though. uh yeah tebow cut but we're not actually going to talk about tim tebow we're going to talk about what should be a pretty intriguing jacksonville jags offense uh obviously with trevor lawrence at the helm at this point but we've got a lot of nice pieces so nathan Let's kind of start in the backfield with Travis Etienne, James Robinson. I, I know we've kind of talked about maybe being done with James Robinson and all aboard the ETN train, but are these guys still both going to see the field a decent amount, going to play, going to see points, or is this like a clear, it's ETN and that's it?
2: I, I think it's going to be a bit of, of a crescendo. It's going to be you know probably like a 50-50 r- running split early on, and, that, and with... Etienne taking like 90 to 85 to 90% of the receiving work. And then as we go further into the season, maybe it becomes more of like a 65 to 35 split because Etienne is the more talented player. That's the reason they, they picked him the first round. That's, that's the reason they, they paired him with his teammate Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, we've talked about this Jaguars offense all offseason, and okay, pairing it with Trevor Lawrence and how that helps all their dynasty values. I will say that for, like if you're talking about who do I want to start week 1 it's still Robinson cuz I do want to see some sort of you know proof of of you know target share proof of rushing share from ETN but I'm confident enough in the draft capital and confident enough in the talent that both those things will come sooner rather than later.
1: Sure and it's interesting you bring up the the college teammate deal with with Trevor Lawrence Travis ETN do you think that there's maybe any pull by Trevor Lawrence to be like hey i I need him in the backfield. That's my guy. I trust him. or I mean, it, there's there's a little bit of precedent for that by for guys wanting certain players in the backfield knowing that they're they're going to be where they want them to be. But do you think a rookie really has that much pull?
2: The one thing that I will say, and this is the case with every team, but particularly a rookie quarterback, oftentimes, the best blocking running back is the one who gets the nod. I'm not, I haven't grinded the tape on Travis Etienne or James Robinson blocking abilities. But whichever of those is, you know, going to be the guy who protects the blind side or you know protects uh, Trevor Lawrence in the backfield is gonna be the guy who sees a lot of the passing down work because yes, Etienne is a talented pass catcher, but he also needs to learn he needs to be able to. I'm honestly, like I said, not sure if he is able to. He could be the great pass blocker for all I know. But I do think that the, the pass blocking by the running back, either ETN or Robinson is a bit of an X factor in terms of playing time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's precedent for that as well. I mean, you see guys like Jamal Williams who continued to get notable touches in green Bay in the past, just because the, the coaching staff loved him. So, uh, okay. Final question about the backfield. Um, ETN has a somewhat hefty price tag at RB 14 uh, in that road of his ADP. Now, do you see a lot of room for improvement there? Obviously, that's not crazy high by any means, but the running back landscape ahead of him is pretty hefty. There's there's a lot of big names in front of him, but we already see him on RB14 right behind Clyde Edwards. helaire So do you think there's a, a lot of margin for growth there? or Are we kind of at a ceiling and floor pretty similar here?
2: No, I I think that there's definitely room for growth there. I I think that, you know, when you look at first-round running backs, they get this opportunity early on. And RB14 is really, I think, around his floor for the next couple of years. And the ceiling is, you know, top five running backs. So um, a a lot of his ceiling is baked into the success or lack thereof of Trevor Lawrence. So if Trevor Lawrence is a, you know, elite player, like he was an elite prospect, then I can easily see Travis Etienne, especially if he's able to stave off James Robinson. I can easily see Etienne finishing as like a top eight running back as, as soon as 2022.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think that that's, that's wrong. I think it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. So we talk about Trevor Lawrence and and his potential ability to, to make this offense as good as it can be. But a big part of that is going to be the pass catchers. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, they bring in Marvin Jones. Uh, You have a couple of auxiliary pieces that will probably play roles here and there. But these, to me, are kind of the big three. And do you see it kind of a a clear cut? Who is the alpha and then kind of the the role players in this trio? Or is this kind of a they're going to spread the ball out because these guys all do different things, but at a very similar level?
2: Yeah, I, I think that Chark is the clear alpha. Chark is the clear wide receiver one here. He's a guy who's who Lawrence is going to connect over the next few years with. I think Marvin Jones is going to be the third down guy, the, the deep ball guy for Trevor Lawrence. When he need, needs to make a play, he's going to go to Marvin Jones. And Lavisca Chenault, I still think that he, to an extent, is a bit of the gadget guy. Whether that's warranted or not, whether he should be more than that or not, I think that early on that's how he's going to be used in the Jaguars' offense. So... I think that he's going to have the least consistent floor. I think that Marvin Jones is going to have a floor of like, you know, five to seven targets and Chark's going to have a floor of, you know, six to 10 targets. So I, I think that Laviska he's going to be the, uh, the hardest to start on a week to week basis, but he will have a couple blow up weeks.
1: So Triflex ADP tells us that these guys are wide receiver 32 and 33. Currently is that
2: Shark and Visca?
1: Yes, and it actually has Lavisca at 32 and then Chark at 33. Do you think that in in Dynasty settings that is a fair representation of where they should be going, or do you think one should be going like a full round or more ahead of the other?
2: I I firmly have Chark ahead of Lavisca because I think he has a higher floor and a higher ceiling. I don't really see why they would be being drafted next to each other considering the range of outcomes, but. I understand the flash. We've seen it so many times with guys like Percy Harvin and Debo Samuel in recent years. Like, you see these guys that get involved in the backfield at wide receiver that are Randall Cobb, you know, many years ago. And so I like LaVisca. I have LaVisca on several teams. But I just, I find it hard to rely on him until he shows that he's clearly going to have a week-to-week role with a, a decent floor.
1: So do you think you'd be more in the camp of buying DJ Chark at wide receiver 33 or selling visca at wide receiver 32 or i suppose both
2: yeah yeah no it's def- it definitely would be of the both variety I, I i mean i i'm not like banging down people's doors saying take my lovisca take my my lovisca yeah, yeah but i am banging on people who are saying give me charts for wide receiver 33
1: sure I, I think i've gotten to the point now where i'm kind of in the same boat there was a little there was a short period of time where he was kind of in that wide receiver 20 to 24 and i was just like that's a that's a little bit uncomfortably high for me for him and and I do like him and obviously the addition of of Trevor Lawrence is massive, um, but I, I just I don't think that that's really his his you know his middle point. I feel like we were chasing what his ceiling was and and that's kind of where his price was previously. So um, that's the Jags offense. I, I think there's a lot of intriguing pieces. Obviously, uh, when you add a big time quarterback and and a really nice running back bring in a a veteran wide receiver to help a couple of young guys. There's, there's a lot going in the right direction here. So let's move. Uh, We'll, we'll stay in the AFC and we will, let's talk about Las Vegas, the Raiders, a a team that doesn't get probably a lot of love in, in most dynasty settings for podcasts. It's kind of a, a group that's all over the board. If you will, we, we all know Darren Waller uh, has really skyrocketed as a tight end, but, beyond that, we've we don't really have a, a firm idea of what the wide receiver room is going to look like, what order it's going to be in. The running back situation has been kind of a mess of late. So Nathan, do you have any any kind of preconceived ideas of what this wide receiver group is going to look like, any order you might put them in? Obviously, we know that there's some draft capital in rugs. They bring in John Brown. Uh, there was a lot of hype behind Brian Edwards. I'm still a fan of Brian Edwards, but it just kind of felt like it kind of fizzled out. They bring in Willie Sneed. Is is this just going to be a gong show all year?
2: Yeah, I I, I think that, you know, when people talk about I want to avoid an offense. This is an offense I can easily avoid. Waller is good. because He's going to get the targets. He's going to get a deluge of targets and he's being drafted, you know, probably top four rounds of redraft and probably top four rounds of dynasty as well before I look at it. Um, and I think he's fine. He's not a guy. I, and like I don't think Darren, like Darren Waller, a couple years ago was winning you your league at his price tag. Darren Waller is no longer winning you your league at his price tag. He's not going to kill you. He's probably going to be just fine as a as, as a top you know top five tight end. But he's not going to win you your league like you know maybe some others at that price tag would possibly would at running back wide receiver. As far as who I like between Ruggs and Brown and Edwards and Sneed. I always have to to revert back to the first round draft capital. I always have to revert back to, you know, the speed and revert back to the big playability. And I'm, 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 I like Ruggs a lot. And even with his depressed price, I'm not like going out and shopping uh, extensively for him. I think he's fine. I think he showed what his floor is in 2020, in 2020, which is a player that will probably be out of the league in two to three years. Um, but I don't think he's that bad. I think that at the end of the day, he's probably going to be a good NFL wide receiver too. And he's in an offense that doesn't have an NFL wide receiver one. Um, some, some might make the case that Brian Edwards has an argument for that. At the end of the day, he was a late day two, a third round pick and looking at his road of his box score scout is not the prettiest of sights. It's Amara Darbo, Devier Posey, Taewon Taylor, Nick Toon, Terrence Williams, Leonard Hankerson, James Washington, uh, so actually, a lot of guys that I once had on my Dynasty team—pretty pretty much <laughs> all of them. Were,
1: you and I both, brother. You <laughs> and I both.
2: That's but, depressing. Yeah, and I—I'm not out on Edwards by any means, but I do think that we talk about this a lot. That you know, when we're talking about certain players, the the quote-unquote truther in the league probably already has him. The guy who has Brian Edwards in your league is holding on to
1: him with a death grip. <laughs> it's probably me to be completely honest. and uh, you know, talking about rugs, he he's such a it's just kind of, he's kind of a strange at this point I'm still calling him a prospect because we haven't seen even a remote amount of polish in his game. He is the perception is he's just running in a straight line and just trying to beat the defensive back, which I mean, offenses need that, but he's never in my opinion, going to be a massive fantasy producer. He's never going to be an alpha in a wide receiver room. He's, he's, he's Tavon Austin. I, I, like, uh, but without the gadgety feel, he's just a deep threat. And if he can turn his game into being more of, of an all around wide receiver and he still has the explosiveness. So be it. I, I just, I don't think that there's as high of a ceiling with him, as as some others feel. And honestly, the, the first-round draft capital, along with guys like Kadarius Toney, I, I just never will understand it. But they're NFL teams for a reason, right?
2: And at the end of the day, the reason why me and so many others are bullish on draft capital is because Ruggs is going to get chance after chance yeah. after chance and target after target after target. And so even if he is bad, he's going to get plenty of chances to prove it.
1: Absolutely. Do you think... Uh, do you think he's in a decent spot at wide receiver 52 to, if if people are intrigued a little bit to buy at that price tag? Or do you think this could dip a little bit lower even? Uh,
2: I mean, the, the problem is that the Raiders offense is probably really bad. <laughs> it's
1: <Possible>. probably re- <laughs> But Derek Carr, I mean, he's shown that he can, he can yeah. produce. But we, I think we all know that Darren Waller is going to be the guy getting I mean, the majority of these targets.
2: I mean, at the end of the day, wide receiver 52... 52- I if I were to place a wager, I would say Henry Ruggs will be a higher ranked wide receiver than wide receiver fifty two by December. Like I, I that that's what I believe. And so I think that he you know, his range of outcomes, you know, settles in around that, you know, wide receiver thirty to forty range, and that's a profit. So um I mean I would buy at that price tag, but also I'm not, you know, desperate at that price tag.
1: You're not actively seeking unless somebody's trying to dump him off for a marginal marginal price
2: yeah i mean i I, i'd send a second for him
1: okay um all right we'll move on uh we've got a couple of running back carousels that have been talked about a little bit uh here over the last week um miami being kind of the the dominant one here we we kind of all thought that maybe we'd see some more miles gaskin in the preseason and we kind of got a a large helping of malcolm brown I got some Salvan on med and Gaskin, who I think the perception was he was going to be the guy. Nathan, is this a, is this a full avoid for you uh, in dynasty and redraft and whatever, just in general? I mean, do any of these guys really have a lot of value for a dynasty team?
2: Yes. One of them will. It's It's just a question of determining which one is going to. And with Gaskin, I never quite understood how he became like a sixth round redraft pick.
1: I mean no idea. like
2: like it would make sense if this if like the the exact same backfield was the Chief's backfield. Okay, Miles Gaskin is Patrick Mahomes running back. Tua, while I love him, isn't Patrick Mahomes yet. Like, you know, in order for Miles Gaskin to live up to like a sixth round redraft price tag, Tua has to be a top five quarterback, basically. And right. so I was never buying in on that redraft price tag. And, you know, obviously his dynasty price tag has, you know, risen with that. But Gaskin is certainly not a guy who I've seen, like, traded a lot in this offseason because I'm guessing, you know, the guy who has him is like, okay, I'm going to take the quote-unquote free points. And the guys who don't have him like, oh, do I really want to pay, like, (laughs) an early second for Miles Gaskin? No. And it's hard to decipher whether volume in the preseason is a good thing or a bad thing. But in general, if you're getting volume with the first team, I think it's a good thing. And that's what Malcolm Brown got. So it's probably just none of these guys are going to end up being, you know, too fantasy relevant. But it seems like Malcolm Brown might have the lead.
1: Yeah, it's strange because I, I feel like Malcolm Brown, it feels like he's been around forever. And he's always kind of been the under the radar guy that you should target, especially in like a zero RB or like a one RB type draft, uh, strategy, but Gaskins going in the top 30 running backs in dynasty. And part of me is like, that doesn't seem like it's a lot, but at the same time, I, I just don't feel like he's got this job. Uh, I feel like they're just going to rotate hot hand or just keep fresh legs on the field. I think that would be best for the offense. I don't think any of one of these guys does something substantially better than the other where it's like, that that guy's got the job. Uh, It's a weird one. Uh, None of them are good enough to stand out. And honestly, they're all just decent. Nobody's horrible. So there is that. Another one kind of like Miami is Buffalo. And we've talked about Buffalo a little bit, but I don't think we've ever really just had the conversation about Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and now Matt Breida that's three you know again guys that do things pretty differently but all kind of have the same value to an offense we've talked about the buffalo running game in the past as just kind of being an avoid because of the way that josh allen runs the ball all of the touchdowns that he vultures on the ground but also the fact that they have essentially become a run first run or not run first pass first pass second pass third type of offense so do we have any interest in any of these guys, regardless of the price in dynasty
2: yeah it it's one of those things that you kind you, sometimes you're okay with waiting for the dust to settle and then overpaying rather than you know buying multiple or taking a stab in the dark at one at the end of the day, Zach Moss is the most recent day two pick granted uh was single Yes, single tear was day two pick as well. Uh, Zach Moss is the most recent day two pick, which makes me lend me to believe that he has the best shot at being the RB1. And Singletary had the chance of like, you know, leaving Moss in the dust last year and didn't take advantage of it. So I I would I would say Moss is the, you know, RB1 from a a carry perspective. Breed is going to be the guy who gets the passing down work and Singletary has got to find find some some touches elsewhere.
1: Gotta find the scraps. It, it's strange, yeah. Zach Moss, RB thirty-seven in the ADP currently. and then you Which I mean, that's not
2: that's not even a good price, though. No, <laughs> I,
1: it's. I mean, Singletary's RB forty-eight. So I, I think if I was like gun to your head, you're you're going after Singletary at that price tag. But like you just said, it's hard to find touches for these guys individually. But specifically for Devin Singletary, it feels like anything Singletary does, Brady can pretty much do, assuming he's healthy, and like you also mentioned with the draft capital, Zach Moss is, is more fresh on the minds of the front office than Singletary is. So uh, it's a strange spot. We've talked about kind of avoiding the rushing group here in the past, and I, I think we just kind of stick with that. But, I mean, if you do need a filler on, you know, you need a, you know, a just-in-case type of running back, I wouldn't hate getting a, a little bit of, of Devin Singletary if the price is right. But honestly, for the price of just about free, Matt Breida could be one of those types of guys that that could provide down the stretch uh, if these guys can't stay healthy, which at this point, they've kind of struggled too. All three of these guys, it's kind of like a, a reboot of what San Francisco had going the last couple of years.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: okay well uh we had one more news and notes thing but i I gotta be honest nathan i'm a little bit too excited about our newest game folks we've got a new one for you this week we are going to be debuting dynasty use it or lose it uh i have a question is it true that if you don't use it you lose it now, as you can imagine, you're, you're thinking back to 40 year old Virgin and you're asking yourselves right now, is that a serious question? Nathan, I am deadly serious here. We're going to be talking about whether or not these players are worth keeping for the long haul or cashing out before the bottom falls out. And, you know, obviously we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams. We're going to be talking about players a little bit further down the list outside of the top 50, because historically, those upper echelon players, those first three to four rounds maintain value for a, a little longer than most. Once you get into those next couple of rounds, you start to see a lot more shuffling guys, jumping guys, falling, and there's just more movement. Once you get a little bit further down, all of your sure bets are, are at the top. So dynasty user or lose it. We're going to talk about a couple of guys from each position and whether or not you want to keep them and, and, you know, potentially have them on your dynasty roster, whether they're scoring points or just maintaining value, or if you think it's time to move on and, and find a new home, cash out on whatever value you can. So we're going to start with Atlanta Falcons quarterback. Again, this is assuming super flex for each category, Matt Ryan. There's a lot of talk kind of uh, uh, behind the scenes about this. This could potentially be Matt Ryan's swan song. This might be it. He's closer to retirement than he is to, uh, a QB1 season, in my opinion. But Nathan, is Matt Ryan somebody who you think is a use it or lose it?
2: For me, Matt Ryan is a use it. Obviously, you know, rolling out the, the fact that he possibly would be in a rebuild. If you're, if you're contending, Matt Ryan is very much a use it. This has been the case probably for the last five or six years, but Falcons are going to be a pass-heavy team. They have mike davis um who once (laughs) ate me made me dog poop um uh we have mike davis at running back and even mike davis what's mike davis's best trait it's not running a football it's catching a football surprisingly
1: so
2: so matt ryan is going to get plenty of uh past attempts um some look at his range of outcomes app his matches are 2014 ben roethlisberger 2020, Matt Ryan, 2018, Ben Roethlisberger, 2015, Drew Brees, and 2019, Aaron Rodgers. All those guys are what? Large passing volume options. And it's not going to change in 2021. They brought in Kyle Pitts. Um, if John Bosch is listening, then Matt Ryan's going to be the QB one because Kyle Pitts is the tight end one. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely using my Matt Ryans on my rosters.
1: Yeah, I'm in full agreement. I think if this was a couple of years ago when Matt Ryan was still in that QB, say 14 to 16 range, and you could get a decent return. uh, I I think at that point, I probably would have been in the lose it category. But at QB 24 and ADP, it's really hard to to see it any other way. I think that's, that's as close to free points as you can get as far as higher end quarterbacks go. I still think there's there's a qb1 season in that range of outcomes obviously losing julio jones doesn't help but you still have Calvin ridley you bring in kyle pitts you have a pass catching backfield and you know they're gonna they're gonna run enough off- offensive plays where matt ryan could could very should very easily uh outperform any sort of of qb2 low-end qb2 ranking so Dynasty trade says use it for matt ryan and we're going to move into our second quarterback here. And this one's kind of one of those where it's probably too early to decide this, but Nathan, Jordan love, use it or lose it.
2: I, I still have the love for Jordan love. I'm I'm using it. Obviously you're not going to be using it in 2021. Who knows? When value, but
1: the value well, is something you can be using. You yeah, can maintain that value on your roster.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jordan love, I, He's not going to lose value unless, like, on January 1st, Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm a Packer for life. And then I have some problems. <laughs> but what are the odds that's happening, Slim? Even if the Rodgers and the Packers win a Super Bowl, I don't think Rodgers would be like, OK, let's go, Packer for life. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's been the case pretty much ever since Jordan Love was drafted by the Packers. You're, it's a waiting game of the day Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Packer. Jordan Love's value skyrockets. And we even had some, like, bubbles of value throughout the offseason as the Aaron Rodgers saga was going. But it didn't really ever peak, and it's going to peak at some point.
1: Okay. I, I, can, I can feel that. The way I've been kind of approaching this is if, if he wasn't a lose-it player, speaking in terms of our game here, if he wasn't a lose-it player, the Packers would have made a deal for Aaron Rodgers to go to Denver, to go wherever. I don't think they are comfortable handing over the keys to Jordan Love. Obviously, going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love is a massive, massive leap. But I, I think that they're realizing their mistake. They're giving in to Rodgers' wishes. I still think at this point, you know, we, we talk about him being able to pick his future. I think he's a Green Bay Packer. I think he stays. I, I, I think the front office is, is giving in and saying, you know what? As long as you want to be here, you just call the shots at this point. They've made nothing but mistakes in the front office. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers can't do any worse. So it's weird to say, but I, I think you can still get something for Jordan Love without having to wait. You just have to you, find the right you owner. Can get,
2: you can get something, but you're not getting the, any sort of peak value, though.
1: No, 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 no. And that's... But you that's just, you just I, don't think the peak value is ever coming. I don't think we see a big enough leap to make it worth holding. I, I think I think it's more of a, we do it in case the bottom falls out rather than hold because we actually think that there is a peak coming. So I'm not necessarily out on Jordan Love, but I am comfortable moving on right now if that were an option. And we'll move into our wide receivers. Let's start with one time, the Dynasty wide receiver one has had a pretty massive fall from grace over the last few years. He now finds himself in this triflex ADP at wide receiver 41. Folks, Nathan, people of the jury, Odell Beckham, are we going to use it or lose it?
2: I'm going to continue. I'm using using lots of using today. I am going to continue to use Odell Beckham Jr. Looking at his road of his range of outcomes app, some, some interesting uh, options. We have Eddie Royal, six targets per game 2015. Randall Cobb, seven targets per game 2017. Miles Austin, five targets per game 2013. Pierre Garçon and Randall Cobb, 2016-2018, both seven targets per game. If Odell Beckham Jr. can see that seven target per game range I think he's easily like a wide receiver too I, I I think that it it comes down to are the Browns gonna have that much passing volume and do we see more of Baker second half of the year than we did Baker first half of the year when the Browns were playing in like rainstorms for like a month and a half
1: <laughs> yeah hopefully we don't get the weather that we saw last year that was that was pretty wild uh, I, too, am in the use it camp for for Odell Beckham. I think we see a massive bounce back this season. Uh, obviously, he hasn't really been healthy either. And, and that obviously never helps. So uh, I think even with the limited volume in Cleveland in the air, because, you know, I mean, they have Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. I mean, they don't really need to throw the ball as much as some other teams need to. I still think that they'll be efficient enough with the way that they throw the ball where OBJ and Jarvis Landry can find themselves in a wide receiver two conversation just because they're not, they're, they are not—they don't really need to stretch the field. Odell can win in any, any category, and we all know how good Jarvis Landry is over the middle, uh, route running, doing whatever underneath. So uh, I, I really like this offense as a whole, but I definitely plan on using Odell Beckham. And at wide receiver 41, if that's the true price tag, I think all of us should probably have more, uh, more Odell Beckham in our lives. Let's jump into the second wide receiver here for use it or lose it. This one I'm a little bit excited to talk about because there's not, it's not often I get to ring my own bell. But Nathan, Denzel Mims, are we going to use it or are we going to lose it?
2: So, Dan, you aren't, you aren't in this league with me. So, you don't know my answer exactly. Um, I have Denzel Mims in Kitchen Sink Four, which is a contract league. I had Denzel Mims on a two-year contract. It's a league where I have a lot of good players, so roster spot is limited. I traded Denzel Mims for free, so I didn't have to pay the penalty of dropping a two-year contract. (laughs) So I'm definitely losing Denzel I will say, I made this trade. I traded him away for nothing, and like the next day there was a positive Roto-World blurb. I was like, you got to be
1: kidding. (laughs) I mean, I believe it. I I think... Uh, here's the Mims. I don't think was ever going to be the guy. I I think we all got caught up in the draft capital and the potential opportunity and he's just not it. I don't think he was ever going to be it. They bring in Corey Davis. And I feel like the only news I've heard from the jets in regards to wide receivers has been about Corey Davis. Uh, I think he's very clearly the wide receiver one there. And I really don't see how Denzel Mims, even has a role in the offense, especially when you consider uh, them bringing in Elijah Moore as well. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I don't I don't see how he makes it in, in like as a even wide receiver four maybe that that could be his role. This is an easy lose it, comfortable making that type of a deal in a contract style league. Uh, I don't think I'm in full on drop him mode because you can still probably get something for him. Like I would go out and make a one for one deal for Darnell Mooney in a heartbeat because those two are very similar in ADP. I would go make a trade, which this one doesn't make any sense, but I'm on Ross St. Brown. I would make that one for one in a heartbeat. There's there's still some value to be had. So I think if there was ever a time to get out, even if you are a believer, it's now because I just don't see how we we gain from Denzel Mims let's move into the running back category and we talked about we talked about Las Vegas a little bit earlier and and kind of skirted it by just saying there's there's been a little bit of of you know a little stuff going on Josh Jacobs Nathan is it use it or lose it time
2: it's definitely use it time for Josh Jacobs he's done nothing but perform at the NFL level the only like semi detractor you could say is that the team went out of their way to acquire Kenyon Drake. But even with that, Josh Jacobs, you know, was a, you know, a very good player his first two seasons in the NFL. Looking at his his matching performances, we have 2012 Marshawn Lynch, 2017 Melvin Gordon, 2015 Mark Ingram, 2019 Joe Mixon, 2016 Demont Freeman, aka lots of guys who got lots of touches. I am buying both Jacobs and Drake at their prices, despite saying that the Raiders offense is terrible. I think that both Jacobs and Drake can be values at their prices, especially if, you know, this is kind of similar to the the talk that we used to have about cream, hunt, and Nick Chubb. It's like, if one of them gets hurt, the other one's a superstar. If Kenyon Drake, if Kenyon Drake is out, Josh Jacobs is going to have a deluge of, of carries. I like the the word deluge today, apparently. Um, (laughs) And if, and weirdly, I think if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, I think Kenyon Drake has a higher upside because he had he has that proven NFL profile of receiving work, despite the fact that the only good thing Josh Jacobs did as a prospect was receiving and the Raiders have yet to use him <laughs> in that fashion.
1: It's so it's so infuriating. I have I, what you just said goes through my brain. Anytime I look at one of my teams that has Josh Jacobs, like, how do you not use this guy his whole profile is pass catching and all you do is jam him down people's throats. So yeah, I'm definitely in use it for Josh Jacobs, uh, off the field, nonsense, whatever the whole business is. He's RB 21 and ADP right now. That to me is absolutely absurd. Uh, buying all day, every day at that price tag. If you have him and you're in a league with me, send an offer or at least tell me that you'll move him. I will buy him. It is, it is a uh, shopping season for Josh Jacobs and hopefully you bring the cash to purchase. All right, second running back on the list for use it or lose it. This one is kind of tugs at the heartstrings a little bit, Nathan, and I think maybe it does a little bit for you as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ronald Jones. We always have these high, high hopes, and I just feel like they're always crushed by Bruce Arians or whoever is coaching the team at any given time. So Nathan, Ronald Jones, are we going to use it Or lose it.
2: We often talk about how NFL teams are not always the smartest bunch. Even NFL teams, even NFL teams that just won the Super Bowl are not always the smartest bunch. And I will say, I like Gio Bernard a lot. Gio Bernard might lead the Buccaneer running backs in in snaps, which is nuts. But Tom Brady has quickly fallen in love with him. They're going to be a a heavy passing volume team. And who do you want on the field in a passing situation? Do you want Gio Bernard or Leonard Fournette? Gio Bernard or Ronald Jones? You want Gio Bernard on the field if you're passing the ball. And then if you're running the ball, this is where the dumb NFL teams scenario goes. The NFL team sees, oh, look how Leonard Fournette ran in the playoffs. Look how great he was in the Super Bowl. And that leads to let's jam him down teams' throats for, you know, 18 carries a game. Ronald Jones is a better running back than Leonard Fournette. But that doesn't mean anything because Fournette's going to lead the team and carries most likely.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. And, and you bring up Giovanni Bernard, and in my opinion, he's, he is one of the best, most underappreciated running backs of all time. At one point, he was he was either the, the Dynasty RB1 or, or in like the top three or four. And then it was like, here comes Jeremy Hill. Okay, well, let's just push G- Giovanni Bernard by the sa- the wayside. And he's just kind of been playing catch-up ever since. But when given opportunity, he always performs. So I, I, I unfortunately have to agree with you where I think Giovanni Bernard is, is going to be doing most of the pass catching, I would say almost entirely the third down work. And it's hard not to see Leonard Fournette doing all of the running between the tackles with Ronald Jones, just kind of taking the, the relief role and anytime they need to go for the, to the bullpen to, to get a, you know, Gatorade break or something, it's going to be Ronald Jones. So uh, unfortunately, and and, you know, you're not going to be getting a ton in return, but I think it might be time to lose it on Ronald Jones. Uh, I mean, making a deal for someone like Damian Harris is something I'm more comfortable doing. Hack. I might even consider a move to get, like, James Robinson if it's on a team where I have Travis Etienne or maybe I'm, I'm light at running back uh, or maybe if it's only, like, half PPR or something like that. It's just, it's hard to find a way in the, honestly, the foreseeable future for unless he moves on. If he moves on, it's a different story because I do think in a different situation he could potentially steal some work. I don't think he's ever a workhorse type back. But I think he's definitely capable of being a 1B in a high-volume running offense uh, with the ability to pass catch as well. So I do think we're on lose-it uh, lose status here. Yep. Okay, we'll go and finish off our lovely new game of use-it-or-lose-it with everyone's favorite position, Nathan. No, not missionary. We're talking about tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start with uh every every day seems like he's tomorrow's superstar and it just never really happens yet. We're still staring at a price tag that is is not palatable in my opinion. Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas, Goddard, Nathan, are you going to use it or lose it? I'm
2: not losing it.
1: <laughs> I I I think we're at the point where
2: and this might be talking myself into, you know, talent, talent, talent. I think we're at the point, it doesn't matter if Zach Ertz is on the team or not. Zach Ertz can be on the team and Dallas Goddard can still be a tight end one. He's gonna be the Eagles tight end one, whether Zach Ertz is there or not. And the Eagles wide receivers are still question marks with Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, J.J. it's probably not gonna make the team. I think that Dallas Goddard is a plug-in for 10 touchdowns. He's a plug-in for, you know, 40 catches for 800 yards. That, you know, it's 20 yards per catch, so probably not.
1: Um, 40 for 800. <laughs> Holy cow.
2: That, that, that math is not the best there. but <laughs> It's been a long day. But Dallas Goddard, I'm not losing him because if you lose him,
1: you might regret it. I just struggle at the tight end eight price tag. You know, tight end is so inconsistent when you get outside the top three or four with production, with value, with, with everything. Zach Ertz isn't dead. And if they were going to move him, he would be gone. I don't think they had any interest in moving Zach Ertz. I think they want to keep this as stacked as they possibly can because they know that they have a very mediocre passer in Jalen Hurts and they need all of the pass catchers they can get to surround him with. You have another playmaker in Miles Sanders. You brought up Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, and I think I think Jalen Rager makes huge leaps and bounds this year. I, I was at the point where I was starting to kind of be a little bit more out. He looks healthy. He looks strong. He looks fast. He looks like he's doing everything we would hope to have seen him being doing last year, and we we could get that in 2021. So I think we're at the stage where it's not necessarily that Goddard is getting worse. I think the assets in Philly around him are getting better, and that could help him in a sense, but I also think that he's going to be losing targets to those wide receivers. You don't draft Devonta Smith to just decoy him. He's going to be getting the majority of the targets. He will lead the team in targets, in my opinion, this year. I think Jalen Rager takes on a much bigger role. I think Miles Sanders kind of does what Miles Sanders does and and either eat or just... completely forgotten about and I think Zach Ertz is still a problem for Dallas Goddard so this to me it's tough to say lose it but honestly I mean he's he's tight end eight he's going in the seventh round there's I mean there's a slew of wide receivers around him that I would much rather have if you're talking about just a one-for-one type deal there's even a couple of quarterbacks in that price range where I would happily be making that type of deal so I think just because of the potential value I could get and I don't really see as much upside as some others see as, as far as room for improvement. I think I got to lose it with Dallas Goddard. I think you might regret that. Probably, probably the one I won't regret is our final talking point Our again, someone I think we both loved for a short while, Nathan, uh, our final tight end, our final, Uh, person in use it or lose it tonight Miami Dolphins Mike Gasecki. this one's kind of depressing Nathan but are we going to use it or lose it with Mike Gusecki
2: Mike Gusecki might be so like the Dolphins wide receiving core it's either going to be like really really good or fall flat on its face I feel like and either way, I don't see that Gasecki as a huge benefactor in either scenario. So I, I think that his, his upside is capped. Looking at his uh, range of outcomes app, uh, matches N plus one. We have Kobe Fleener, Kyle Rudolph, Dennis Pitta, Jermaine Gresham, Cameron Brait. Not a ton of hu- great names there, but he is a developing tight end. You're not going to have a lot of that in his first couple of years. But I think he's fine. De- definitely not a guy I'm looking to buy right now, and it, you could easily coax your way into buying him from me right now. But I think he has a de- he has decently high upside. You know, granted, every tight end has top eight tight end upside, but that's kind of where I see him. I see him as a guy who could be in that 5 to 10 range. But the floor is tight end 24.
1: So he's going at tight end 10 right now, which feels high you're you're chasing ceiling i think at that point i like you am kind of in that i would say eight would be kind of his his high-end range just because i don't see the targets going to mike iseki when you have jalen waddle you bring in will fuller uh the offense is changing rapidly and this all assumes that tua stays healthy and is is kind of what we assume he is but uh, it's another one that and and I'm not really ever chasing tight ends. Gasecki was one that I kind of, uh, I loved the athletic profile, thought he was going to a place where he could just eat. And he just really hasn't. He's shown some flashes, but it's just, it's never really taken off. And going immediately after him at tight end 11 is Logan Thomas, who I would prefer right after that is Evan Ingram at tight end 12, who I also would prefer. So I, I just feel like it's too easy to find very similar dynasty upside and short term upside in the next couple of rounds instead of just biting the bullet and taking Mike asecchi and wasting a little bit of draft, draft capital, you could uh, grab, a, grab a different player, wait two rounds and still be able to get Hunter Henry or Colk Met or you know Robert Tanyan, and one of those types of guys and, and fill the exact same space with virtually the same player and and build your team up better at a different position. Yep. so that does it for dynasty use it or lose it uh let us know if you like it we can do this more often we 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 try to keep the games uh, you know somewhat consistent but at the same time we've we've kind of gotten away from it nathan we that, that was our shtick for a bit then we became the news and notes pod that we never thought we'd become and then occasionally we just have bad ideas which letting me host is probably one of those so let us know what you like let us know what you want to hear if you want to hear guests let us know that as well
2: oh also also i i wanted to plan this but i forgot to do it so
1: go to twitter go to
2: twitter.com tag me and dan and tag two people who you want to participate in dynasty jeopardy next
1: week oh or in the coming months this this it, I don't think you know we, how much we, prep work we, Dynasty Jeopardy takes. We we, we
2: can't do Dynasty Jeopardy during the season, so we're running out of time
1: here. kid. oh, we <laughs> absolutely can. We could live stream it, do the whole shtick. We could do it like midweek when there isn't any games going on, and just make it a special, like okay. a Christmas special.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll sk- schedule it for Good Friday or not Good Friday, but <laughs> Black <by> Friday.
1: <laughs> you heard it here, folks: it a special edition of Dynasty Jeopardy. Uh, let's try to get some hard hitters in here to play Jeopardy with. We'll we'll do our best to, to make a live stream or something out of it, so you don't just have to listen to the audio. We'll get the screen up. I've got a dual PC set up, so we can we can make it so everyone can see the board and unfortunately look at me. I've got the Trebek mustache going, so we we can make it uh, we can make it happen. But as always, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you check out Blue Wire. You got to get all your stuff from there. Make sure you hop in the and get your subscriptions. And check out all the tools, because they're pretty freaking awesome. They're very easy to use. And uh, that kind of it helps the pod. It helps Nathan. It helps me. It helps us be here every week uh, to, to keep your ears warm and give you something to listen to. So, Nathan, any parting words for the people? Nope. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, we will see you all next week. Nathan, hit them.
2: Go, Thank
1: you, Frank. I appreciate that.